0: Green and White Noise is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Do you know ticket prices drop right before the game starts? Well, because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You know, we got the MSU-Duke basketball game coming up real soon here. Uh, if you're looking to get in the door at the lowest price possible and the best seats possible except for maybe the Izone, check out Game Time. Uh, And it's not just sports that Game Time has. They've got uh, theater shows, concerts, pro wrestling. I like pro wrestling. Uh, But I love Taylor Swift. And Game Time is the best way to get tickets for everything from sporting events to shows by artists like T-Swift. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house, transcribe an interview, write a story all sorts of stuff. Two taps, it's done. That's what you get with Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him yeah, wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Well, he has
1: trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I am joined by Colton Pouncy. We are your hosts. It's time to talk Michigan State football, bowl eligibility and program wins. Uh, special thanks to everybody who listened to the All Decade pod last week uh, for subscribers only on The Athletic. Uh, Joe Rexro joined us, and the three of us talked about uh, the best players and moments of MSU from the 2010s to go with the, uh, a big project with the Athletic. If you have not checked that out, uh, go please listen to it. It was fun to talk about uh, good teams and stuff. It's kind of been a while, and uh, so that was fun to go back and listen to. Thanks again to Joe for joining us. Uh, but we are here to talk about a 19-16 to 16 win against Maryland. Michigan State is bowl-eligible colton how's it going
1: i'm good chris but uh i think i owe a maryland an apology why is that uh, you know last week i basically called them frauds and <laughs> questioned why they're ranked at all this season um i still think part of that is true but i also think i overestimated michigan state's ability to win comfortably against a team like maryland so shout out to maryland for keeping that one close and nearly pulling off the win uh so for that i apologize
0: yeah, I think I was pretty close with my score. I think I said 20 to yep. 10 maybe or something like that. I it was, it was close. It was an ugly game. MSU needed two field goals to come back and win. Maryland had not led a game since October 19th. They were allowing 44 points per game in Big Ten play. MSU did not uh, play well, clearly. Colton, you were there at what looked like a half-empty stadium at best. Last game of the year what was what was just kind of the general mood in the stadium with everything
1: uh yeah, that was not a not a full stadium. I think the, the attendance was announced like fifty one thousand but it was not anywhere close to that no. um so it, it was sort of this weird mix of apathy and and pride, apathy from the fans who, who watched a nail biter against a three nine football team um I had one fan like tweet at me during the game so that he left around the second quarter um But then, obviously, you have the players who were just pumped to get their sixth win and get to a bowl. You know, a lot of seniors stuck around the field after the game, and their season isn't over yet. Um, Obviously, student-athletes deserve to celebrate any win. But I'll be honest, aside from the players and coaches, I'm guessing everyone else was just sort of over that game when it ended.
0: Yeah, I mean, the players were excited after the game, but they sure did not have – there was not a lot of energy – during the game, uh, let, let's talk about this game. So MSU gets inside the 25-yard line on its first four drives. Ends up with a field goal, a fourth down stop, an interception, and a field goal. And it just felt like so many MSU games in the past where the opponent comes out, just has no interest in this game, and MSU just cannot put a, put a foot down. And at one point, Maryland had two first downs, 60 total yards, Negative four rush yards and two turnovers, and led the game seven to six. <laughs> it it was because they got a got a handful of big plays in the running game from McFarland. Yeah. In total, I think MSU had nineteen points on seven trips inside the twenty-five yard line. Um, just, just it was just a lot of what we've seen before. What was your initial take on the game?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. My initial re- impression was that. Not a whole lot has changed since week one. <laughs> you know. Nope. Um, couldn't run the ball. Penalties killing drives. Red zone issues. Uh, just one offensive touchdown for the seventh time in 12 games this year. Yes. Um,
0: Seven times. More than half of the games they scored one touchdown.
1: And, and you know, there are some issues like that last year, but at least you can point to, you know, major injuries, you know, from Brian Lewerke and LJ Scott and Felton Davis went out. But, I mean, aside from some offensive line injuries like this team – you know, for the most part, has been healthy. And a lot of times during the stretch, they've been healthy. So, you know, I I know they like to talk about Michigan and Ohio State as the measuring stick games on the schedule, but I think this game told us a lot. I mean, you're at home, senior day, you're playing against a 3-9 and team with a bowl game on the line, and they struggled against Maryland. So, to me, like, this isn't an 8-4 and squad that, you know, dropped a couple of games that it shouldn't have, you know, against Illinois and Arizona State. This is a 6-6 and team, and that was a fitting end to the regular season.
0: Well, and that's the thing right there. You can point to, hey, if they get a stop on Arizona State on the last drive, hey, if they get a stop against Illinois on the last drive, maybe they win eight games. Well, they sure didn't play like it. I mean, no. they, they played like a team that just thought they could show up and and win. And, and, you know, a week ago against Rutgers, it was a comfortable win, but it was still, by Rutgers standards, uh, not a good performance. Everybody— Maryland scored 48 points on Rutgers, and MSU had, what 27. I mean, this is this is what we've seen time and time again, just like the Illinois game. Uh, an, an opponent just comes out as nothing's nothing's working for them, and the MSU offense will get something going, and then just cannot finish drives at all um, with everything on the line. Really, um, so so let's just I mean let's just talk about some random stuff in the game. Mm -hmm. they get stuffed on fourth down and one in the red zone. Again, the second, the third time in two weeks against Rutgers and Maryland Mm -hmm. that they cannot pick it up on a handoff. What did you think of that?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if, if MSU just thinks that it can bully teams like Rutgers and Maryland, despite, you know, never being able to prove that this year or really over the last two years, you know, like, Sometimes they feel like they they just want to see what they can do, you know, um, with this offensive line. See, hey, maybe we can win at the line of scrimmage. Maybe we can. This is the week that we can do it, and they just they just haven't, you know. And they keep trying to do these run plays on fourth and one when the quarterback sneak is right there. It's right there, Chris. Yes,
0: yes. We talked about we talked about it on Twitter during the game. QB sneak is undefeated. Make the shirts. <laughs> buy the shirts. Show <laughs> yes. somebody in the program the shirts. They finally actually finally did one later in the game. I, I think a third and one or something. They finally yep. did a QB sneak and yep. it worked because it always works because you cannot count on the offensive line to give you enough time to get a running back care when everybody knows that's what you're gonna do. And Lurkis just he's good at the QB sneaks. It just it works. So yes, just another drive that gets stuffed. I mean, man, to to get stuffed against Rutgers or Maryland a fourth and one at all is bad. For it to happen three times is is pretty. Uh, Just ugly, ugly stuff. Uh, Elijah Collins, running back, uh, came into the game banged up. He only had 41 yards on 15 carries, and 21 of those came on one play. So he had 2.7 per carry. Uh, What's going on with him? I know they talked about him being banged up.
1: Yeah, so I don't know exactly when, but he tweaked his ankle at some point. Um, D'Antonio said that he was about 70%. And uh, actually, true freshman Brandon Bright got most of the first team snaps in practice last week. So I think they were part. They might have been expecting him to be the guy, but then Collins was good enough to play. And um, so he was a little banged up. You know, fifteen carries, forty-one yards—not his best game. But you know, the offensive line didn't do much for him. And um, you know, he did have some big runs here and there with that twenty-yard, twenty-one-yard run. So he's playing through it. You know, he's pretty energetic, and you know, he's fired yeah. up out there. Um, so I thought that was good to see, and um, he is closing in on a thousand yards. I'm not sure how far away he is now, but uh, I think he wanted to play and wanted to inch close to that.
0: Yeah, I mean there, there was one play he got a carry, I think, and I don't know what happened. And he got up and he was just really just kind of trying to fire guys up. And there's just has when you see it, you realize there has not been a lot of that on this team this year. Uh, Collins is up to 892 yards, so okay. he he would need just over just over a hundred in the bowl game to get to a thousand to be the first MSU back to do that since 20, yeah, 2014, 2014, yeah. Jeremy Langford. Um, so not great overall numbers, but consider, considering what he's working with, um, he's, he's become the bell cow really. And, and a, a number of freshmen played and burned red shirts in this game.
1: Yes. Uh, so Brandon Wright played, uh, this was his fifth game of the year, um, so he cannot redshirt, but that means Elijah Collins, Anthony Williams, who already burned his earlier, and Brandon Wright are all now in the same class. Um, So there was a lot of frustration about this. I get it. You know, it's not ideal to have three running backs in the same class, but there are a couple reasons why this is the reality now. Um, You know, this is what happens when you lose, you know, basically three running backs mid-season in Connor Hayward with Darius Jefferson and even Weston Bridges, who came to MSU as a running back. They all transferred. Um, So once those guys left, you know, they had to kind of rely on these true freshmen. And, you know, looking at the group now, yeah, Elijah Collins is your bell cow. But, you know, I'm honestly not sure Anthony Williams is a running back long term. Um, He just looks way more comfortable as a receiver. You know, maybe a third down pass catching back or, you know, Split him out wide. I, th- I think that might be his best role, sort of this all-purpose back. Um, he's not really a between-the-tackles runner. So that leaves you with Collins, who, like we mentioned, injured his ankle recently and was about 70%. And then Brandon Wright, who was the first team back in practice all week. So I have no problem with Brandon Wright playing. You know, MSU wanted to get that win. They barely got it with him in the game. <laughs> um, but I've been high on him, and I think he can play here. Um, I'm sure the staff was too. So for me, I guess the philosophy is, if you think a guy has a chance to start or be heavily involved um, by year two, let him play in year one. And even more so, they needed him in this game because he they, they kind of viewed him as the number two back behind Collins. So that's what they did with Wright, and I actually don't mind it. I know a lot of people were frustrated, but I actually don't mind it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some other guys who played their fifth game or recently played their fifth game, and um, it does – cause possible problems down the road, but it also kinda of tells me that D'Antonio is not worried about down the road right now. He's worried about right now, right now. Yep. Also makes me think that I don't know. There's two different ways to look at the possibility. One, hey, he isn't gonna stay around, so what does matter to him if a guy burns a red shirt or Or I gotta win right now, so I'm gonna play these guys right now. So I don't know how much it says about Dantonio's future. We'll get to D'Antonio's future. Um, in a second Uh, but yeah you're going to rely on a lot of these young guys especially in the bowl practices and in the bowl game it's not ideal to have to play these guys but that's kind of the position msu put itself something else that happened after the game regarding some hats colton explain what this was
1: yeah so uh you know players were given hats this weekend uh, to remind them that this was a must-win game Um, They're just kind of basic hats, you know, green with the logo in front and on the back it read Program Win. Um, So D'Antonio, I think he gave them to the team on Friday um, just to like remind them that, hey, this is a a big game for our program. Um, So after the game, they broke them out uh, to kind of celebrate again. And I thought it was sort of gimmicky, but I mean, winning this game was important when you consider the alternative, which... Is a 5-7 and seven season. Um, without a win, they'd become just a second Antonio team to miss a bowl. Um, the freshman would lose an extra month of practice. And then Michigan State would lose even more mo- momentum in recruiting. So, you know, at least now they have a chance to have that time and, you know, finish on a three-game win streak and have some sort of pulse going into the offseason. But, uh, yeah, the Hats, uh, they were uh, in the spotlight after the game.
0: Yeah, I get it, and I, I know they did it in – 2012, but I think the fact that they did it and the fact of how they played kind of really sums it all up. Again, I'm not going to say they shouldn't be happy after a win, shouldn't celebrate after a win. They they should. But when we're looking at this from the big picture, so D'Antonio compared it to 2012, you know, they go on to win the Rose Bowl. They, They beat Minnesota, get to a bowl game, beat TCU, go to the Rose Bowl the next year. But that 2012 team, they lost 5 games by one score. This team got blown off the field by Ohio State, by Wisconsin, by Penn State, by Michigan. This is not the same thing as 2012. That 20 that 2012 defense was one of the best in the country with most of everybody coming back. This is this is not the same thing. We lo- MSU is losing everybody on a defense that is not as good. The fact that you put I mean, I think the I think this Maryland game does define the program. And not that they want it, that they barely want it when it shouldn't have come down to that. It just, to me, it kind of shows just how far things have fallen. That you know, resorting to these old motivational tactics is tactics is clearly not working the same way it was. Also in 2012, Connor Cook was a quarterback coming back the next year as a sophomore, and he led a game-winning drive in the in the bowl game against TCU, which was an ugly game. Uh, MSU does not have a quarterback coming back to starter. Brian Lewerke is gone, so a lot of this program win hat thing really, to me, kind of exemplifies where the program is. It, it's it's up there with it's it's kind. It makes me think of uh, <laughs> defeated with dignity the meme from the state news cover a few years ago when MSU lost oh. to Michigan but didn't get blown out. I know that one's not on the program, but this yeah. as, as soon as I saw this, that's what I thought about. Oh, you're breaking out hats when you barely beat a Maryland team that you should have destroyed. Kind of says it all. And I'm fine with them celebrating. I'm not putting it on players. I'm just saying from a big-picture perspective, uh, it really does illustrate just how far this program has come. Um, we don't need to talk about – A ton about the game specifics. It was an ugly game. All these ugly games are difficult to talk about. Uh, But for the last time of the regular season, let's do the Le'Veon Bell. How did he do that moment of the game? I don't have one specifically, but Julian Barnett uh, had some pretty impressive catches. Uh, He's a guy who continues to show uh, a bright future. So not really a moment, but I thought Julian Barnett was maybe a, a bit of a bright spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll go with the other true freshman receiver. I'll go with uh, Trey Mosley. Um, led the team in catches with eight, um, had 73 yards. So really big game for him. Um, career day, and he was making some difficult catches on that final drive. He had a diving catch out of bounds. And um, he had one catch that him and, and Cody White ran the same route, basically. Um, <laughs> Cody, <laughs> Cody, Cody White explained that he ran the wrong route. That was on him. Um, That's interesting Cody,
0: you said it because we, we've talked about, about Cody White's Route running issues on here before, and uh, yeah, another example of that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was some sort of miscommunication, but it was weird because White tried to make the catch and realized it was like a little too high or beyond yeah. him. So he pulled up, but that's, I mean, I, I don't know if like that's really difficult to do if you're it is. the back end receiver and you see oh, yeah. the ball just coming at you. And, and Trey Mosey, like, you know, great, great instincts to catch that one. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, eight catches, seven, three yards. I'll go with him.
0: Yeah, there are some some of the young receivers I think are have been the bright spots. Every time I see Trey Mosley, I just think in my head, Ted Bosby from <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just it pops in my head every time I see that. It's just the same cadence. Yeah. Um, all right, John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. I'm going with stuffed on fourth and one against Maryland in the red zone. Pretty simple. Had a few to choose from, but that's what I'm going with.
1: I'll go with uh... – the Brian Lewerke interception in the end zone hmm. because that was coming right off of a turnover. That very through, first play, yeah, very first play after a turnover, a forced fumble by Antoine Simmons, and you know you're you're in the red zone, and and that's what happens. So <laughs> I'll go with that interception. And honestly, the red zone misfires in general. You know, only one touchdown and six trips to the red zone and seven trips at the twenty five total. So uh, yeah, not not great, not great.
0: And I think Lewerke threw a pick on his very next throw as well.
1: Yeah, back-to-back throws were both interceptions at some point in that game, so yeah.
0: Just, uh, Just a real mess. You know, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually you just brush it off or blame yourself saying things like, I lost my mojo, or you avoid it all together with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, I'm just not feeling it, or you'd rather just kick a field goal. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash green and complete an online visit. Just go to GetRoman.com slash green for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com green for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com green. Um, all right, well right, let's go to the voicemails. Um, we appreciate you guys who have called in. I don't need to give out the number right now because there's no games coming up. Uh, but we got a couple of voicemails, some that were not safe for work. Uh, guys, you cannot, guys and girls, you cannot uh, swear a bunch on these. So please don't do that uh, in the future. But we got uh, we got some good ones here. Let's go first with Maria from Chesterfield, Missouri.
2: Hi, my name is Maria. I live in Chesterfield, Missouri, a suburb of St. Louis. I'm an alum from 1985, and my oldest daughter is a junior at Michigan State, home for the Thanksgiving holiday. We watched the game together today, and... All I can say is that I'm disappointed. I was disappointed throughout the game watching our team play. It didn't seem like we had a great deal of energy, and when we did have energy, it was foolish energy. A lot of uh, penalties this game, Kenny Willikus two times, 15 yards it cost us uh, each time, I've seen a lot of lack of discipline to this team that I haven't recalled seeing on D'Antonio's teams um, except when he first came, the first several years that he was there as he was kind of changing over the culture and leading out those that were there uh, on the team before he recruited new individuals. My biggest disappointment with today, though, is that uh, we weren't able to get a commanding enough lead to be able to play Rocky Lombardi or Theo Day. I have a big fear that D'Antonio, who will be coming back next year, and I do believe he will be back, we're going to have the same sort of quarterback controversy that we've had every single time we've changed over a graduating quarterback to the next person. We've talked about it before. You've talked about it before on the podcast, and I'm just afraid it's going to happen again. I really hope that when we do the bowl game, we can see Theo and Rocky in the game for anything other than just garbage minutes. Thanks. I like the podcast and look forward to uh, listening to the next one. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. I I think she nails it on the head right there in in a lot of ways. Didn't have the energy at all, which we've already talked about here, and and she could very clearly see that as well. Uh, Just not a team carrying itself with any confidence. Um, whatsoever and and I thought it's actually a great point you made at the end there which we have not really talked about on this podcast this season and that MSU has gotten almost no real reps game reps for its backup quarterbacks Theo Day played I think once right and he got pulled yeah, for Penn doing State. the wrong play and yep. Rocky Lombardi's been in there a handful of times he's thrown it a couple of times but most of the time it's just to end the game and, uh, yeah, those guys are going to be the starting quarterback next year. Lombardi's got game reps from last season. But, uh, yeah, going in, going into these bowl practices, going into these bowl game, I, I would expect we're probably going to see a good amount of the backups in there. D'Antonio has done that throughout his uh, career all the time. Um, Kirk Cousins played in that Capital One Bowl against Georgia, the one that they lost with, with Brian Hoyer against Matt Stafford. Um, so they're yeah they're gonna have to get a lot of reps for the backup especially for Theo day and, and the bowl game would probably be a good place to do it because win or lose doesn't really matter especially especially since it's not going to be a high profile uh, bowl game w- w- yeah. what do you think of what she said
1: yeah so I guess starting off you know she's talking about the energy it's funny that she mentioned that because Mark Antonio did not agree
2: <laughs> he said really? and,
1: I, and I quote uh, we've never come out flat. They may fall down throughout the game, obviously, but the beginning of football games we don't come out flat. We come out enthusiastic and energetic. So that that was his quote. Um, I'm not sure I agree, but uh, that's how he feels. Um, and then you know she did make a good point talking about the quarterbacks, and that's something that you know going into the Rutgers game. I, I think you you're going in with the idea that okay, let's get a let's get a big, let's grab a huge lead, and then put one of these young guys in. Not really even Rocky, just like. Theo Day, who has three career passes to his name. And then Peyton Thorne, who's a young guy that I think the coaching staff really likes a lot. He's a true freshman right now. So I think you would have liked to work one of those guys in. It didn't really happen against Rutgers because, you know, their lead wasn't big enough. And then they were kind of backed up deep in their own territory. But, you know, Maryland wasn't much better than Rutgers. I think you wanted to see them get out to more leads. And I think that's why the inability to punch it in in the red zone and and jump out to a huge lead kind of hurt in a number of reasons. Not just because – you want to see them win big, but also because they weren't able to get those young guys in. So yeah. Yeah. Didn't, honestly, it wasn't, wasn't great.
0: Didn't happen against Tulsa, not really against Western Michigan, Illinois, Maryland Rutgers, two years in a row, really just a lot of games where you, MSU, you're used to them blowing out an inferior opponent and getting some backups in and just not really the case. Um, so, it, so another mm. thing about the energy, I guess you could say the fact that they got inside the 25 yard line, um, four times in four drives is a positive, although some of that was aided by defensive turnovers. But I, you got to finish the drives. Like you can start off with all the energy you want, but if you're just kicking field goals and turning the ball over in the red zone, it's not doing anything for you. It's not it's not energy that's helping them finish drives. I also just realized we forgot to do the Mike Sadler punt of the game. Jake Parker only had two punts. One was a fifty-three yarder. One was a Short 40-something we will just go with the 53-yarder. And that kind of illustrates the point. They only punted two games, two, two, uh, two times in this yep. game. It, it kind of shows you that, again, they could move the ball at times but could not at all finish drives. Again, seven touchdowns in seven one-touchdown games or, or fewer in, in 12 is uh, is real bad. Let's go to Ivan from Alexandria,
2: Virginia. This is Ivan in Alexandria, Virginia. What can I say? Um, part of me wishes the season was over, but I know that it's good for the program to get some some more practices in. Um, location wise, I live in in live in the D.C. area, so I'm hoping that they get placed over in the, uh, in the bowl game in New York City. Yeah, Antonio is no longer the man; it's time to move on. He had his run. Reached the pinnacle of the sport, but it's time to move on. This this program needs some fresh blood. Still green.
0: And this will bring us to the topic of Mark D'Antonio. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night. There obviously has been no announcement of D'Antonio retiring. Would seem to continue to indicate that he is indeed planning to return. Uh, but... Did he say anything about his future after the game, Colton?
1: No, he didn't say much, and I didn't really expect him to. Um, you know, he said he's coming back. Uh, he doubled down on that, I think, on his radio show last Thursday. Um, so I think that's all we can go off at this point. But I don't know. if it, I think any staff changes even will be announced sometime after the bowl. So I, I don't know. That's That seems like the way he operates. So I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Speaking of that, on Sunday – Arizona State fired three offensive coaches. Texas fired multiple offensive coaches. Those programs are moving forward with... their, And, and they both made bowl games. And those mm. teams, are coaches, are moving forward quickly to find the new guys for this program. If D'Antonio's planning to not do anything until the bowl game and then make an assistant coaching change, it's going to affect the quality of the guy he can bring in. And it yep. continues to show a problem with the loyalty. And... I tweeted this during the game. I guess I should uh, stand by it and everything. Watching that Maryland game, I finally fully came to the conclusion that D'Antonio is not the right guy to lead the program moving forward. It it was a horrid effort against a lifeless Maryland team that didn't have a pulse, and you had everything on the line. Uh, a A bowl game and... Just everything about that game summed up everything that has been a problem with this team for three of the last four years. And the way this coaching carousel is shaping up also continues to reaffirm that because Luke Fickle, the coach at Cincinnati, is going to get a lot of attention for some of these jobs like Boston College or Missouri or something like that. There is not I, – I I'm not saying he would come in and – take MSU to a Rose Bowl or anything, you can never guarantee success. But there is nobody out there right now that is more, better equipped to take over this MSU program right now. And if D'Antonio's planning to stay for one or two more years and they miss out on the best suited guy to be the replacement, unless it's Pat Narduzzi, I guess, that's a problem that is going to hurt the program for quite a while. If he's staying... This has to be like a three or four year deal and that has to be announced because they're getting killed in recruiting and Cincinnati and Luke Fickle are literally right behind them in recruiting. Cincinnati has more four star recruits in its recruiting class than Michigan State does. Uh, Everything about this program is trending downward, barely holding on against Maryland to get to a bowl game. Just further illustrates that. And I just don't see why there's any reason to believe that things are going to get fixed next year. You can change the coaches, assistant coaches do what you want, but you're breaking in a whole new quarterback, starting defensive line, linebackers, all over the place. This is going to be a full-on rebuild. And I didn't see any, I have not seen anything this year that can make you feel that D'Antonio's a got to take it forward. That's not to take away from anything he's done in the past. Uh, got a lot of people on, got a handful of people on Twitter who were telling me that, um, no, he's accomplished too much. Uh, he, he can get it back. It's been four years. An entire class went through. This is the first class that did not win a big 10 championship. Like this is the worst four year stretch of D'Antonio's career. They won 10 games in 2017. They won a lot of games by one score in that season and got, Quite lucky because overall numbers on that team were not bad. Other than that, you've got a three and nine season, a seven and well, seven and six, and now a six and six. That's not that's not good enough when you're supposed to be competing against Michigan, Ohio State. Like I said before, this is not 2012 when they played a bunch of one score games and it was really close. It is not close. They are not close to Michigan. They are not close to Ohio State. They are not close to Penn State. They are not close to Wisconsin. And I was thinking after the game okay, they win. It's a bowl game. If D'Antonio wants, he can announce his retirement pretty quickly. Gives the everybody time to celebrate him in these final weeks. And he, he helps the program move on to start a coach, coaching, search and find the next guy. Maybe things can, maybe things will change, but based on everything he said, that does not seem to be the case right now. And, um, I just think it's going to continue to keep the program in a position that it's not going to compete for championships for, uh, sometime. So I know I kind of went on a winded deal there, but uh, Colton, what do you kind (laughs) of make of the whole D'Antonio's future and seems to be adamant. He's coming back now. You kind of wrote about it on uh, Sunday.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, I think you hit on a lot of great points. Um, You know, when you're looking for things to be optimistic about, um, it really starts with, with the young players. I think, Um, you know, Julian Barnett had an interesting quote last night. Um, You know, he was asking about you know, what his freshman season has been like. And uh, I have a quote from him. And he said, you know, I keep seeing everybody bashing coach D about firing coaches and stuff like that online. But look, he's building something over here. He's building something good. All these freshman players, not even just the freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, sophomores, stuff like that. He's building something. People don't see behind just the games. You got to look past that. And coach D is doing a great job with the team. So, that was Julian Barnett, and he's going to be, you know, a future leader on this team if he sticks around and everything, sees it, sees it through, which I haven't got any ind- indication that, you know, he's the type of player to kind of jump ship like that. But, like, that's what you have to start with, the young players, um, these true freshmen and, and sophomores and redshirt freshmen. I think that group might be able to turn things around, but, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge if, I think, and... Until we see D'Antonio willing to make some significant changes and, um, you know, he's going to need to stick around for a couple more years for those guys to develop. And and even then, there's no guarantee that he can get this program back to winning 12, 10, 11 games a year. Um, when Penn State's still going to be around, Michigan's still going to be around, Ohio State's still going to be around. So he thinks he's the guy. You know, he he talks about these hats from 2012. He talks about you know, a Rose Bowl T-shirt that he wore going to bed one night. And that that made him think back to the early parts of this decade. You know, he can reflect all he wants, but I think at some point, you know, he's going to need to make some changes. He's going to need to figure out where this program is going and come to the realization that, you know, either I can be the man for this job or I have to step away. Um, So it seems like he wants to try to see that through, but I think it's going to be more difficult than he thinks.
0: So I know he was asked a week or two ago about Urban Meyer's comment about the lack of NFL talent uh, that we talked about after after the Michigan game. About um, after this year, who on this team is an NFL player? Could not really point to anybody, really. Um, and D'Antonio was asked about, it and he he rattled off some names that he of guys that uh, they developed. What it was like Trey Wayne's, Jack Conklin, stuff like that. And the problem is none of those guys have played on the team since 2015 or 2016. And that that's the whole point. They have not d- developed that. I mean, Raquan Williams probably a high pick, maybe Kenny Wilkes, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem. The player development is a problem. They're, they're nowhere near the, le- I mean, we saw Michigan get walloped by Ohio state, Ohio state's on another level. I mean, Michigan's on another level than MSU. So it's, um, it's, it's not good. And, and, it, and, Oh, the other thing, I'm assuming he's going to make a ton of staff changes at some point. It should come sooner rather than later for the sake of the the, the team, the, the program. But it's going to be hard to hire assistant coaches if they only think you're going to be around for one or two years. Like, yeah. that's the other thing. Like, unless he's committed to three, four years and everybody knows that and it's out there and it's public, who's going to want to come in and take this over if they think D'Antonio is going to retire in a year? Um, it, it, that's right. a tough spot if an assistant coach wants to move his family for something like that.
1: And, and the other part of that is, you know, if, if, if part of the thinking in, in changing your, your offensive staff is part of recruiting um, it's going to take time to recruit and convince players to come to you. If you grab a young coach from the South, um, to try to get some of that talent down there, it's going to take time to build those pipelines and, and, and bring guys to Michigan. You know, you're, you're going to have to see that through. It's not just going to be a one year thing. Which, when D'Antonio talks about completing a circle, that's why I ask, what, what do you mean by that? Because if he's hoping for just one 10 win season and then right off in the sunset, that's fine. But if you go through the effort in, of, of bringing in new coaches and, and getting rid of the old ones, you think that that means he wants to stick around for a little bit longer. And then who knows what this team looks like by 2022, you know? So right. there are a lot of things that go into this when you talk about even just these staff changes. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it all, honestly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean,. Uh... The word is Luke Fickle seems to be waiting for a Big Ten job. He's a guy who spent his entire career in Ohio. Um, maybe he looks at Missouri or Boston College if, if he doesn't see anything in the near future that works for him in the Big Ten. And um, if you're Bill Beekman, you got you got to take that into account in terms of what is uh, out there in terms of possible coaches. So sounds like D'Antonio is coming back, may change. I think it's a bad sign for the future of the program. Uh, but as we wrap up here, so MSU's going to a bowl game. Uh, it could be the Pinstripe Bowl. It could be the Quick lane bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. It's a good chance MSU plays Pat Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers in this game. Colton, as the guy who's going to be at the game, wherever it is, which one do you want MSU to go to?
1: So I have a friendly wager with uh, Matt Charbonneau of the uh, Detroit News about where Michigan State's headed. Um, we made it right after the Illinois collapse. <laughs> I said, "Quick Lane for sure." He said, "MSU will go anywhere besides the Quick Lane bowl." Cool. Um, so it's basically Quick Lane versus field. Um, <laughs> the Il- Illinois losing did not exactly help. I don't, I don't think um, it still seems like it can go either way. But we'll have to wait and see for some of these automatic bids and, and things like that. I guess. But um, personally, I want the Quick Lane bowl. Um, really, I did the. I did the New York trip, you know, a week ago when MS oh, played true. Rutgers, so I'd be fine. Not going back so soon, um, you know. Yeah, the Quick Lane Bowl is a short drive for me. Lansing, you know, it's close for in-state fans of the program, and it's a day earlier than the Pinstripe Bowl, which means we can put a bow on this 2019 season and all get on with our lives. So I'm all in on the Quick Lane Bowl. Yeah.
0: If it was me, I'd choose the Pinstripe because. Uh, I'm not paying for that trip, so it would be much <laughs> better to be do that than uh, go stay at yeah. home or something like that. Um, all fine. right. Uh, Colton, anything else? Uh, regular season's over, but what should readers check out from you coming off of the game and maybe anything else you have coming up uh, this week?
1: Yeah, you know, we'll have some stuff to wrap up the regular season, but another thing, I'm covering basketball this week because yes. Brendan Quinn, he spent most of the last week in Maui with Michigan State. So on Tuesday, he's going down to Kentucky to cover the Michigan-Louisville game. So I'll be here in East Lansing uh, Tuesday night covering for him for the Duke-Michigan State game. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I've been told it's my reward for watching MSU football this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yes, should be a good one. And get your tickets to it at game time. Uh, so that's going to do it here. Yeah. Um, Reminder, check out the Old Decade pod. That thing's kind of evergreen. If you haven't listened to it, it's still very much relevant and will continue to be. um, We'll have some more stuff coming later this week and in the coming weeks. Not really sure yet. I mean, MSU will get a bowl game and then we'll probably go off of that. But uh, got a few weeks ahead of this football podcast with not a lot of MSU football to talk about right now. So we may try some mailbags or themed stuff to pass the time so i don't know but we'll see but thanks everybody for listening to this one please rate review subscribe tweet at us let us know what you think always appreciate we get new people calling into the voicemails um and we always enjoy interacting with folks who listen to it support is much appreciated so for colton palcey i am chris vanini thanks to our producer mike zimmerman shout out to the road dogs jesse james and we will see you on the other side